Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody, Gibbs here with number 472 on the Rolling Stones top 500 greatest albums of all time. It's SZA with Control. Control was released on June 9th of 2017, recorded 2014 through 2017, with such a long distance in between there being due to the fact that she had severe anxiety issues and was also going through a pretty rough relationship time during the songwriting process, which would prolong this recording to take three years. Control was recorded at No Excuses, The Lake House in Michigan, Engineer Ears, Platinum Sounds, Top Dog House of Pain, Joseph Lemberg Studios, Windmark, 1500 or Nothing Studios. The genre of this album is R&B, Alternative R&B, Neo Soul. Control was released on Top Dog and RCA Records with producers Beckin, Hector Castro, Cam Obi, Carter Lang, Joseph Lindbergh, Scum, and Thank God for Cody. One thing I notice about a lot of these R&B, hip-hop, pop albums is they always have a lot of producers on them, whereas more of your rock albums... Usually only one producer on the album, which I can't decide whether having multiple producers or just one producer is an advantage, as sometimes I feel like it's good to get the different perspectives on things with having multiple producers, but it can also ruin the cohesiveness of the album, I feel like, in some cases. Control had 14 tracks with five of them being singles. The singles were Drew Barrymore, Love Galore, The Weeknd, Broken Clocks, and Garden Say It Like That. Lyrically, Control has a confessional theme, which was based off of his personal experiences and complexities of modern love, including desire, competition, jealousy, sexual politics, social media, and low self-esteem. She definitely touches on all these issues, and I feel like the first few tracks definitely kind of have a more hateful, vulgar meaning to them. Uh, this is definitely a record where if you are easily offended by things, you might be offended by some of the things she says. I honestly, I don't get offended easily, so I was okay with it. But she does use some vulgar language and talks about hooking up with her boyfriend's homeboys and the desire of men wanting her lady parts, to put it nicely. And it's just the few first few tracks on this are rather vulgar and very descriptive. I liked that the recording process was described as very analog and featured a lot of unplugging and replugging of wires in order to create a desired sound. With it being released when it was, you don't get a lot of that nowadays. Nowadays, a lot of albums are just all digitally created, and all sounds are made from getting a digital sound. So, 
it was kind of cool to see that she chose for her debut album to do more of an analog-based album. At the same time, though, I feel disappointed in the fact that she wrote most of her songs by going back and listening to Top 40 charts during various years, everywhere from 1940s to 1980s, and she listened to them and basically used the styles and beats and really drew inspiration from that, which was a little disappointing that she chose to write that way, because as an artist, you should be able to come up with something creative of your own and not necessarily have to go back and try to copycat something that's already been done. And that also leads me to say that I don't get how this album would be as impactful and as worthy as a top 500 spot if basically she's just doing a copycat of something that's already been done and not really creating anything of her own. Even her vocal style would kind of be a copycat style. As I said, she was really going for a Billie Holiday and Amy Winehouse feel. So everything from music to vocals, she just really seems like she was more trying to copycat something successful and recreate something that had already been done that was successful to basically guarantee her own success. Despite my feelings on it, though, Control was received with widespread critical acclaim from most music critics, and it did tend to sell pretty well. It would be certified platinum in Russia, which their platinum certification is 20,000 sales. United Kingdom, it would be silver, and it would go two times platinum, which is 2 million, in the United States. So it was obviously a popular record, and was able to reach many people and have fairly good sales. SZA would also receive five nominations at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards, including Best New Artist, Best Urban Contemporary Album for Control, Best R&B Performance for The Weeknd, Best R&B Song, Supermodel, and Best Rap Slash Sung Performance for Love Galore featuring Travis Scott, which obviously that's a big name right now, and I feel like maybe her using those big names helped spin her career a little bit as she also incorporated a track featuring Kendrick Lamar on it, which is another very popular artist right now. And you feel like maybe those could have bumped sales potentially. And that's not saying that she didn't earn anything on her own. Obviously, you're talking about two tracks featuring two known artists on a 14-track album, and she still had other singles besides just the one that featured others. So she was liked for what she was doing as well. From a personal standpoint, this wasn't really one of my favorite albums that I've had to listen to so far. I would say out of the 14 tracks that Drew Barrymore and Prom were probably my two favorites on the album, with my least favorite probably being Love Galore, or even the opening Supermodel, I just wasn't a really big fan of like the first three tracks on the album. So I'm probably going to upset some people in ranking this album. As I look through the list of albums that we've done so far, 
And I kept thinking in my head, is this album better than this album? Is this album better than this album? And I'm just going back and seeing how much I enjoyed each album, trying to remember the pieces of them and why I slotted them in where I slotted them. And I find this one dropping a significant amount. And it's not just because it's a newer album. As you recall, I thought Harry Styles did a great job, and he released a fairly new album. But with this one, I just felt like maybe it's too new It's at the time. I don't know. I just don't feel like it's going to age and be worthy of even being on this list. And maybe... I don't see why they put it on the list to begin with. As I notice most of it sounds just like other stuff you can hear on the radio all the time. I feel like if I turn on any popular radio station and a female artist comes on, it would sound just like this. I wouldn't be able to pick her out of a lineup of anything different and I just don't think that's worthy of being on this list honestly that being said there were a few albums obviously the greatest hits albums that are disqualified and honestly I still enjoyed this more than I will ever enjoy Suicide Suicide but I am ranking this one at 497 as I just don't feel like there was anything new with this. It wasn't groundbreaking in any way. Honestly, in the day of digital downloads, the sales don't even really blow anyone out of the water. And I felt it disappointing that with a debut album, you wouldn't take a chance to be who you are. You're introducing yourself to the world, and you're going back and mimicking and trying to recreate things that have already been done, whether it's your music style and trying to get beats and rhythms and stuff from that, or your vocal style and trying to imitate a certain singer and sound a certain way. So I stand by what I say and rank this one back at 497. And honestly, I don't even feel like by the time the next release of this happens that it would even be on the list. I don't think that it's going to age into an album that we look back on and say, yeah, that belongs on the 500 greatest albums of all time list. So before I close out this episode, I wanted to do another rolling rewind. So on January 16th of this year, Phil Spector sadly passed away after battling with this nasty pandemic that we've been having to go through the last year or so. And although a lot of people probably know him for being a convicted murderer, I don't think that that should really have an impact on his music legacy. Sometimes the awful crimes that people commit and the horrible things that they're capable of need to be separated from the work that they've done. And you have to learn to appreciate and separate him from a personal standpoint and really appreciate what he gave us from a music standpoint. And what he gave us was years of songwriting 
and music producing and musicianship. From 1958 to 2009, he worked with the music industry. And I bring him up because if you've been doing this, following along with all the albums that I've been going through, you'll know that Phil Spector did have an album compilation on this list. And although I disqualify it for being a Greatest Hits album, and I believe it was like a four-disc Greatest Hits album, so it was very long, I do respect the work that he put in and all that he gave to the music industry. His associated acts included Bobby Sox and the Blue Jeans, The Crystals, probably the biggest one, The Beatles. And then he went on to work with the individual members of The Beatles, including George Harrison and John Lennon. Darling Love would be another one. Ronnie Spector, The Renettes, which is another album that we had covered on this Greatest Hits album. And he was part of that. The Spectres 3, The Teddy Bears, which was the beginning of his career in music as he was the co-founder, guitarist, and vocalist of that group. Ike and Tina Turner, The Wrecking Crew, and The Righteous Brothers. There are some heavy hitters on that list of people that he had worked with. And he helped shape what they created and put out. And I feel like it was a big loss for the music industry that kind of went a little under the radar, maybe due to things that he had done in his personal life, which again, I do not condone any violence at all. And he served his time. But we need to look at what he contributed to the music industry while he was here, and it's a lot, and he deserves to be respected for that and recognized for that. So that was our rolling rewind, a kind of sad one, losing a member of the list here. As always, I want to thank all of you for listening, and I want to remind you that you can reach me at the Rolling Review at yahoo.com or search on Facebook at the Rolling Review. And there you can like the fan page and see the updated list. Let me know what you think about this album. Am I being harsh on it? Is it a greater album than I think it is? Does it truly belong higher up on this list? Is it going to be an impactful album over time? You can let me know your opinion always. Next episode, we'll be looking at Jefferson Airplane's Surrealistic Pillow. Until then, I'm Gibbs. This is The Rolling Review. Stay safe and be kind.